Film Camp, a podcast with two friends gathered by the fire from their fun film perspectives. I'm Luke. I'm Luke. Today we're talking about being the Ricardos. So, being the Ricardos, the first kind of Oscar theme month. Yeah. But it's not really officially a theme for us because we haven't really planned it. No, we're getting officially a theme. It's officially a theme? Yeah, we're committed. Wow, we're so professional. (laughs) Oh, wait. This is uh, Being the Ricardos, is directed and written by Aaron Sorkin, Mm -hmm. who most famously did. the social network. Which we had done a podcast on before. Okay. And neither of us yeah, I'm pretty sure maybe we didn't do a podcast. Maybe that was pre podcast. In any case, we watched we watched that semi recently. We might have watched that fight before. Yeah. We rewatched uh the social network because we had both seen it and we were both like, Yeah, that's a fine movie. And then I don't know, something was coming out where people were talking about it a lot again and people were like, Oh my god, it's the best movie ever. It's my favorite movie. And I was like, do you remember that movie being particularly good? And then we both agreed we thought it was fine. So we watched it again. And afterwards, we were like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> like, Here's the thing about uh, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Is he indisputably has a, one of the most distinct writing voices in Hollywood. He's like Quentin Tarantino. You hear his writing mm. and you're like, oh, that's Aaron Sorkin. Or, yeah. oh, that's Quentin Tarantino. And like you can hear it, the social network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs, Molly's mm-hmm. Game, and now being Ricardo's, mm-hmm. you can hear his writing, which was an interesting choice because this is not the type of movie I no. would have thought his writing would have fit. And in some scenes it does work, but in other scenes it doesn't work. Yeah. Also, I should actually finish okay. the film. Thing. Right, it stars Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem. Uh, J.K. Simmons and a group of other people. Uh, it was technically released in theaters really just for the uh, Oscar okay. qualification, but yeah. it's really an Amazon movie, mm-hmm. which I'm surprised by because I would have thought that Aaron Sorkin would have been one of those it has to be in theaters because theaters are people. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so we literally just finished. Normally we wait a day yeah. to like get our thoughts. But we had a lot of thoughts. And the reason I picked this to be our first Oscar movie mm-hmm. of the month mm-hmm. because I wanted this. This was the one we had the most opinions about yes. before. Yeah. Because we had both read and seen lots about it because we were most interested. She doesn't, Ginny doesn't care that much about Oscars. No. But I. I love Hollywood award shows. But the thing that was surprising both of us was how well Nicole Kidman was doing for Oscars, yeah. Oscars and all the awards this season. Yeah. Because everything we had heard was she was a bad Lucy. Yeah. And we watched the movie and she, Nicole Kidman, is not a good Lucy. She's really not. She's a bad Lucy. No. She I can't even say she's not good. She's a bad she's Lucy. She's a she's a she's a very bad Lucy. Like when she's doing Lucy in the show, she's horrible. But when she's Lucille Ball, I think she's good. You said I don't like her still cuz the the problem for me is so I'm I've never seen, like, a huge amount of I Love Lucy or anything. But I know Lucille Ball's vibe, you know? And I think, like, kind of as we've seen with 
Christian Stewart recently, which we haven't seen that either, so we should. <laughs> I think that's one of our plans. Anyway, but Kristen Stewart looks nothing like Princess Diana, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but she managed to capture the right vibe, right? And it's it's like a who played Freddie Mercury? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who played Freddie Mercury? He looks decently like him, though. No, he doesn't. You put them beside each other, they don't look alike. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, oh, what, Rami Malek. Rami Malek. Ron, Rami Malek. I'm sorry. Is it Rami or Rami? I always call him Rami. Okay. Well, Rami Malek. Rami Malek. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. He was Freddie Mercury. And he didn't look like Freddie Mercury. And he didn't kind of... And he didn't look at anything like Freddie Mercury. But he captured the exactly. essence of Freddie Mercury. Exactly. So even when he didn't look like him... You were like, that's Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And here's the thing. is The whole movie, I was not seeing... Whenever Lucy in the I Love Lucy show was yeah. on, yeah. it was not... It was just a mess. Yeah. Because she was, go, she was trying too much to be like Lucy. Yeah. But she wasn't getting there. So you yeah. kind of get to that uncanny valley yes. in terms of acting mm-hmm. where... You're watching her, and you're like, I know what you're trying to do right now, but you're not doing it at all. And it's kind of, which was the whole story for this film. From the very moment it got announced, everyone was saying Nicole Kidman's a weird choice, and she does not really look like Lucy. But I I remember at the time, like, well, Nicole Kidman's Nicole Kidman. Yeah. She could pull it out. And and I know you didn't like it, but I liked her Lucille Ball. But her Lucy is just wrong. The so reason, I think the directing, which was also Aaron Sorkin, yes. is more the fault there. He wrote and directed it. And I have a lot of problems with the directing. But going back to Nicole Kidman before I go on that whole diatribe. Yeah. I just want to say, I don't want to necessarily blame Nicole Kidman in those scenes. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like a director, the director should have seen what was happening and should have picked one of two paths, mm. which was spend way more time getting her Lucy perfect. Yeah. Or just kind of moved entirely away from Lucy. I agree with that, especially in terms of, um, yeah. So they did a lot of going back and forth, which, like, was did not work for me at all. Like, so. Oh, no, I like to have. No, no, no. You're, you're thinking about something else. So they choose Nicole Kidman, who doesn't look like Lucy Wall, right? And then, instead of embracing that and just being like, okay, Lucille, uh, Nicole Kidman is Lucille Ball, they kind of half try to make her look like Lucille Ball, and they put these, like, cheap uh, prosthetics on her, which gave me Uncanny Valley for the whole movie. She just looked freaking weird to me. And the thing is, is, like, prosthetics can be done right. They... Um, we've, we kind of saw that recently in the, um, the Pamela Anderson TV show, which I know has, like, a bunch of other drama, but, um, uh, Lily Evans, is that her name? Yes, I think so. She wore a forehead prosthetic for that whole show, um, to change her forehead and change her eyebrows, and it doesn't look weird to me. Like, that's, I, it doesn't, it doesn't trigger that thing in your brain where you're like, that's not a normal face, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, we've even seen it with Nicole Kidman in the hours. She famously wore that nose, which was, first of all, a really good prosthetic nose. Like, it just looked like Are a you nose. sure? Yes. That nose got her in a lot of trouble for that season. What do you mean? 
Within like the nose. In the hours? Yeah. I've never heard of one person not liking the nose. It was literally by in her when they announced she won. Denzel Washington said, by a nose, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, because they're saying, because her transformation was really intense. He meant that as a good thing. No, he didn't. What do you mean? It was famous part of the Oscar dialogue that year. In important context, this involves Harvey Weinstein. Okay. In that Harvey Weinstein was the guy pushing it for the Oscars, and he was so mad that she wore that nose that he almost didn't let the Oscar push happen. Harvey Weinstein? Yes. And this was at the time when he was the quote-unquote Oscar whisperer. This is a famously good prosthetic nose, Luke. And I've never heard of anyone being mad at this nose. I've heard so much about being mad at this nose. I've always heard that this nose was the best freaking prosthetics ever because Nicole Kidman doesn't even look like Nicole Kidman. I heard it's bad. No! Okay. I think we're getting a little. This is like the anyway. In that movie, it's hard to even tell who she is, but it's in a good way. She looks like a different person. I agree with that. And she doesn't look like not a real person. She doesn't look like Nicole Kidman pretending to be somebody else. You know what I mean? Um, which I found they did with that. I like would have much preferred if they just embraced the fact that she was Nicole Kidman. You know what I mean? And I I would have liked them to pick a direction. Exactly. And I think that goes into the... That's actually a problem in a lot of this movie. Yes. They refuse to pick a direction. And I honestly do think it's partly that Aaron Sorkin is mainly a writer and isn't as good of a director as he is a writer, well, but doesn't know it. He directed The Social Network, too, right? No. no? He wrote The oh. Social Network. Okay, well, that's interesting, because... So, the only other film I've seen of his, of, like, all the ones he listed, is The Social Network. Um, and I maybe I just don't like his movies. I saw one... I don't know if it... I think it was his directorial debut. Yes, that was what I was going to say. Yeah. And it's very similar to this, especially with Aaron Sorkin's dialogue of, like, constant intense conversations yeah but there it got exhausting i think so okay i have so much (sighs) the script was okay sometimes it there was good scenes i don't think it's a good script like as a whole especially this is going off of what i want to talk about but at the so okay (sighs) lucy and ricky is that her husband in the show. In the show, in the show. Oh, no. Lucille Ball. I have to look it up. What's his name? Shoot. Ricky's his name in the in show. In the show. But uh, Desi Arnaz. Oh, Desi. Okay. And Lucille. So, Lucille. You have to be distinct. Lucille and Desi. Um, sort of the... Oh, the plot of the movie is we're fucking dealing with Desi, who is feeling all... What's the word? He's having a hard time because, like, Lucy's all famous and stuff. Yeah, that's what she's saying. When she's saying that he needs, the other guy needs to save her marriage by making him an executive producer, it's to make him feel more manly. I disagree with your interpretation. What do you mean? That's exactly what happened. They literally, she has a conversation with the dude, uh, J.K. Simmons, who is a drunk guy, who literally says to her, men... Like, he comes from a very strict sense of, like, manhood or whatever. I think the problem... And then she says, yeah, I know. And then she goes and talks to hold the guy. On, and on. then she talks to Jackie Simmons afterwards. Hold on. Hold on. Here's how I interpreted this. In that she was seeing the marriage falling apart 
before, mm. and she was trying to make a reason why, other than that the marriage is just falling apart. And I think that she was using that as a as an excuse to work around the marriage just not working. That's, what the heck are you talking about? I'm talking the about the marriage her. just not working. The marriage is not working. It's not just not working though. It's not working for very specific reasons for oh, yeah. people who have very strong real feelings for each other. Anyway, this is just like fucking funny girl. <sighs> I've never seen Funny Girl. I love Funny Girl, but the end is fucking ridiculous, and I'm so tired of movies that cater to men being tiny little babies who need, like, to be catered to so that they feel like enough of a man not to be It an was asshole. the 60s, and it was based on a real okay, story. Okay, but this is another problem with the movie, is being a woman in the 60s is integral to everything going on in this movie, mm-hmm. and it does not want to deal with that. It consistently skirts around the issue... And it leans into conservatism. Explain what you mean there. I'm curious what you mean by that. Okay, so we have the main issue with Lucille and Desi, right? Which I guess you disagree with me on. Okay, well say I agree with you because I'm curious what you're talking about. Okay, so we have the main issue with Lucille and Desi, right? Which is he doesn't feel like enough of a man and he is cheating on her as a result of that. Um, because he is intimidated by her being more famous than him. And he doesn't feel like he has enough power or control in the relationship. I'm going to change my opinion. I think that I like that interpretation better than my own. Cool. So I like this. (laughs) So we have this, right? We have the fact that originally in I Love Lucy, like many TV shows at the time, there is a sexist dynamic, which one of the female writers by that actress who I really like, Aaliyah... I actually look at other people. I don't know. Um, she's got the freckles and the curly hair. She's really cute. Um, that she brings up that like she's trying to make Aaliyah, yeah, Aaliyah Shawkat. I like her. Anyway, she brings it up that like she's trying to make Lucy smarter, and she brings up the fact that like Lucy is infantilized, and often the times the things she's overcoming is the fact that her husband doesn't approve of whatever she's doing. Right? This is all very like essential to sixties stuff. Except they don't, they don't want to talk about it. They always skirt around it. Again, with Lucy's conversation with J.K. Simmons in the bar when he talks about how her husband is feeling demasculated, and that's why he's doing all this. He talks about how from where her husband is from and the women seem happy and then she does like a small aside of like oh like have you talked to them and then he's like well they seem happy but again that's not challenged and then in outside at the end of the movie we again have jk simmons where lucy's or lucille's friend i guess and lucy's friend who has been struggling for the whole movie because they keep just her entire rules about her being ugly basically and that sucks. <laughs> then J.K. Simmons comes out and is like, oh, the hardest thing as a man is to be like called old and sort of interrupts that conversation. It's always structured so that we never deeply get into. I'm going to take what you're saying uh-huh. about how we never go deep into stuff. I'm going to take a step back. And I think that's the directing of the movie is trying to cover so much but it refuses to go deeply in it, I think, yes. as you're saying. Yeah. Because that's the thing, is like we're talking about a lot of stuff and 
The thing that I was finding the most interesting, and mm-hmm. I talked about this while we were watching, yeah, was consistently, I liked the scenes where it was her, Lucille Ball, at a table with a bunch of men being like, we have to do it this way, or we have to do it like this. And she's like, no, that's bad, we're doing it this way. Yeah. Because I liked that dynamic, and I liked when the movie was starting to lean in yes. to how truly difficult like running your own show in the yeah. 60s as a woman mm-hmm. with your name on the show like has to be and she does go into it where she has to be like I have to kill every week for 37 weeks to keep this going mm-hmm. like she has to be she puts these high high expectations and because the show is so like it's good and well received. It yeah. kind of keeps building on its own expectations. I think, and I, that's when I liked it. But every time it happens, yeah, even though they're really long scenes, mm-hmm. they don't go into it. Yeah, even outside of the context, because I'm aware of the fact that this movie is set in the time and it's based on a real event. So what they they can't change it. Like you can't say, oh. And Lucille Ball changed gender roles forever. She obviously did. Mm-hmm. She had an impact on it. Mm-hmm. But she can't be like, and sexism was over. Yes. So I realize it's not that type of movie. It I... can't do that. But I would just like to have the conversation. I yes. like the scene where they go into it. Instead of just being like, we're going to touch on this. And I then we think... have to move on. Because we have to touch on the girl who has an eating disorder. I think And then touch it... on the, like, the, neck, the racism home. Yeah. And keep touching on stuff and then being like, well, this is so important. We could go into it and they just don't want to. Yeah. I think part of it is I think, I genuinely think that Aaron Sorkin was the wrong person to write this story. I don't think his style necessarily went into it. And I get this might not necessarily be fair, but from what I got from his writing, um, he's... He seemed scared <laughs> to go deeper, you know? And, like, it, as a man, I don't think you have as an intense or in-depth understanding of, like, sexism, because you wouldn't. And I don't know. It, he doesn't have any co-writing credits, so it doesn't seem like that was something he necessarily I wanted to go into, but I think it's important to the story. I... I will comment that Molly's Game, I haven't seen it in a while, mm-hmm. so I don't want to overstate it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But when I remember watching it, they did a better job having these discussions. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it was very similar of the female in a male's space yeah. running the poker games. Yeah. And I remember they talked about it more. More? Like, he had those conversations. But the thing is, is that when he had those conversations... Like, he went into them because there wasn't all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I re- I don't know if he was the bad choice for this. I think, though, maybe it was he had too much creative control or something. But someone in this process had to stop him mm-hmm. and be like, hey, there, there's too much here. The problem is, though, that he, as the writer and the director, and I would also guess he's probably a producer in mm-hmm. some way, uh... He had a lot of creative control. He didn't produce this. But even still, he had so much creative control, I don't think he could see the mistake of having so much topics to touch in. Because it's like two and a half hours. Yeah. It's really long. It is long. And 
she, he goes into so much stuff, but nothing comes out of it. Yeah. Like, even at the end, so I remember I started this point earlier, and then I forgot where I was going. <laughs> yeah, so Lucille and um, Desi, throughout the movie, they are, it's interesting, because when they are together, they are, they're very loving. They are obviously very in love. But Desi keeps, like, just not being home, basically. He just, he goes out and drinks with his friends every night, and she wants him to be around more. And then he's just like, ah, too bad. <laughs> like, I'll be on the boat. Like, he just doesn't really acknowledge that. But they do work very well together at the same time. They are amazing business partners. Yeah. And um, they obviously have a lot of respect and care for each other, even through their problems. And then it, it turns out that he was cheating on her at the end. He had, like, slept with some escorts. Whatever. And then our final, like, thing of the movie is after their, you know, last filming, uh, Lucille filed for divorce from Desi. The day after it, it was filming. And it was, like... That was such a weird note for me to be left on because I was like, "Was that the was that the point of the movie?" Well, I, it didn't feel like the point of the movie to me. That wasn't like a satisfying well, the revelation. Whole, the whole thing because we had the whole scene where Nicole Kidman, uh, Nicole Kidman's Lucille explains that uh, we do have a running theme of she always wants a home. Mm-hmm. She has houses. She has everything for her family, but she doesn't have a home, mm-hmm. and she kind of. It's set up to be that the set apartment is her home. Yeah. Because it's the only time she can reliably be with her husband, set up in a, like, as mm-hmm. a husband cover. Mm-hmm. And so when she is in that final scene, she messes up the line after he says, honey, I'm home. Yeah. Because after this, she's like, ended, she's internally ended the marriage, but they sold the show together. Mm-hmm. No, that wasn't the last time there were. That wasn't their last time filming. No, not the... No, no, no. I mean, like, internally, we as the audience have been told they're done as a couple. I wasn't like, told that. Okay. Well, I was told, like, when she called him out for cheating. Yeah. And she's like, I have indisputable proof that you cheated. Yeah. Like, I see that as her way of saying, after that, like, the marriage is in all essence over. Like, Why? we're not recovering from this. Why? He was cheating on her. We established she before real hard. We established before she was engaged to a guy who was cheating on her. Well, then she did bury him. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I don't think this is like an, an unavoidable end of the relationship. Well, I think it would have worked better if they were more clear. <laughs> Some They were very vague. But See, that's how I, that's the thing, but too. The thing it's is, like, hold on, hold on. Okay, yes. <laughs> she, when she messes up the line, yeah. it's after he says, I'm home. Because yes. she takes that line. However, she takes it. Uh-huh. Like we can tell, it's like very emotional for her. Yes. And she messes up her line. She messes up her bit. Uh huh. And it's like the only time she's ever made a mistake. Uh-huh. It's like a big deal. And then we like come, like the camera goes up, and then it's like, yeah, that weird. That. It was weird for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah. That whole final scene, like it tracks yeah. up, and then it has the text, and, and I then understand. It goes black and white. It, yeah, black and white was there. Also, why would they just do like the thing of a TV turning off where it's like. Yeah. A little nicer. white dot. I don't know. I don't like the static static one. It would have worked better, I think, if they had set it up for what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of segues into the direction. But, like, another problem. Another problem with the direction is, like, at one point, 
she's doing laundry and she finds the handkerchief with the lipstick. But we don't really know what she finds until later. That's what that was? That's what that was. That's exactly that's my point. That's why she, oh my gosh, that's that makes exactly the movie point. so much better now that's that I exactly know that. That's exactly my point, is it? that is an important moment and the camera does not give you a shot of the handkerchief. It doesn't tell you what she's found at all. Right? Isn't that weird that, that we didn't get a reveal of what she had found? Because the movie doesn't play like this is a reveal to us, right? It's acting like we know what's going on. That makes it better because that explains why she went back to the studio. That's why she and went why back she to the studio in the middle of the morning. Because she now knows yes. and she just wants him to admit it. Yeah. Because she thought it for the whole movie. Yeah. But now she knows. See, isn't that <sighs> weird that there wasn't like... Why, you, why don't you have a show or a shot or have her... It's like, like, okay, there was, like, a mid-shot of literally her doing laundry and, like, a basketball of laundry that she's, like, going through. And then she finds something and she's, like, upset. And then it cuts to her in the middle of the thing. And you can see something in her hand, but you can't see really what, what it is. It's something white. That's, like, the... Well, that's the thing. They show you too much that you're not... They show you too much that you can't not notice the scene. Like, it's not like they were just talking for the whole scene and she was just happened to do laundry. And we're later supposed to be like, oh, she found it while they were talking. No, we're supposed to know she's doing laundry. No, she found it after they were talking. I know. That's my point. Yeah. It's like the movie focuses on it, but it doesn't tell you what or why we're focusing on it. Yeah. Which makes it feel like a waste. But no, yeah. And that makes the movie so much better because now I know why she was, like, insisting the scene has to get better. Yeah. She wanted to fix it. So she could try and fix the marriage. Does it make it better, though? Because I had to tell you that that was what was happening. And I know. the movie couldn't tell you that. I know. It's my point. Yeah. If the movie had told me, it would have been better. That's my thing, though, is I think that there's something extremely fundamentally wrong with the direction and design of this movie. This is very Aaron Sorkin, from my experience of The Social Network, which is my all of my experience with him. But it's very sort of like dull this movie is brown every scene in this movie is brown it's dull there's not a lot of contrast there's not any like yeah, high Sorkin. saturation every and, Aaron Sorkin movie is terrible with color but I think that kind of works for like the social network right mm-hmm. the social network is kind of like scuzzy as a story you know what I mean this when you're doing a story about Lucille Ball like I want Lucille Ball energy even if we're kind of taking this different route where we're, like, kind of seeing, like, oh, this is how she was behind the scenes. Like, there was no Lucy energy in this movie. And, okay, you know what I thought of? Do you Did you see that movie by the Coen brothers? That was really bad. I hated it. But it was about, um, what was it about? It, it was about, like, movie sets. Hail Caesar. Yeah. Did you see that? I did. Okay, that was bad. Because it had no direction. Imagine... This script with that style, wouldn't that have been more fun? Would have been more fun. Wouldn't that have, like, because I feel like, yeah, part of that, the problem with that movie, too, is there was no direction, right? I feel like this, even though I, this had at least a plot going on. <laughs> yes, it's better than Caesar. <clears throat> but, like, if it had had that bounce, that time period, like, this movie was horrible to look at. <laughs> And I, if we had, had like the occasional like nice shot, it's, <clears throat> it's not hard for a good cinematographer to have a good shot. The, yeah. the overall aesthetic of the movie 
it's so incongruent with the subject matter. It's like what's super. It what would have been nicer to have a more style to the, yeah. how it was being written. and color. But again, I that doesn't. I don't think that's very Aaron Sorkin, but also I haven't it's seen. It's not. That's part of why I think he was the wrong person for the story. This is an interesting story for Aaron Sorkin because it's nothing like anything else he's done before. Yeah. Everything else he's done before has always been like intense people in intense situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the CEO of Facebook, like in a lawsuit fighting for his company. Uh, Steve Jobs about to like try and go save Apple three separate times. Uh, Molly in her poker games fighting for her rights without giving up the names. Mm And this movie is not meant to be that intense. And I think he does try and frame it. Yeah. He's trying to tell a story that doesn't feel that type of intensity. Yeah. And he's putting it it's through a very that intensity different, lens. Yeah. So. Like, yeah. especially there's a part at the beginning. And they mention it in the movie a few times. They're like, our lives are in danger. But it's like, how? Like, they never make what do it. You mean? You don't remember that? At the beginning, especially, they talk about, they were like, oh, it was a crazy week. This was going on, and this was going on, and this was going on. And one of the this was going on was that uh, Lucille and Desi could have lost their lives. You don't remember that? No. Somebody says that, I promise you. And then, and then at the end, when Lucille is talking to Desi, she's like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die this way. That was her career. Okay. Well, you can't blame me because they talked about something dying earlier. Probably her career. No. She said lose their lives. Okay. Anyway, it's not clear how who's going to kill them or why. <laughs> I have no recollection that's like head on coming on it. I promise you she said that. Okay. It's weird. Anyway. Let's talk about how we are. Not yet. Because another, this is related as well, is. I agree with you that when Lucille is sort of running the show is the best scenes and it's the most interesting. And I do think there's a really good story here, right? Also, yeah. with that running the show, I when she's Lucy, I don't like her Lucille. Mm-hmm. But I think the best directing in the movie mm-hmm. is her like with a script or in a writing scenario. And you cut to her visualizing how it works mm-hmm. in the show. For a joke. Yeah. Like, how is this joke going to work? I do like And they, like, that. do different things it's to set very, it up. Sh- it's very Sherlock of comedy, though. <laughs> yes, I know. I It's very Sherlock, actually. But yeah. I think it really works well for this. It, like, it's, it, yeah. it gives you the good insight on how her brain's like, this is how this will work. And then she's like, that's why it's not funny. Because mm-hmm. she can see the scene. Yeah. So she's like, this is the problem right here. Yeah. And she's very direct when there's a problem. Yes. Which I like because it it makes it feel like it's her show. Yes. Even if she's not, like, in charge of it technically. Like, it feels so much like her show. Also, Nicole Kidman was not very good at the physical comedy. Yeah, but that's like, just because she's a again, I know, she's, she's a, a bad, bad Lucy. But um, I would, okay, so my, I agree with you that those are the best, especially script-wise. Like, those interactions between characters are where we get the best interactions. Also, Got a few laughs a few times from us. During those scenes, I also really liked uh, 
I, during those scenes, I also really liked when Desi would interject and make sure that his character was properly American. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was very little things. But when they're editing the scripts, Lucy's, like, really focusing on the comedy mm-hmm. aspect of it. But he was always focused on making sure his character would be received well by the audience because of his Cuban heritage. Yeah. And all that. Because he, like, the big thing for me was, like, the taxi. They want to lie about his taxes. Mm-hmm. That's, like, a funny joke. Because everyone lies. And he's like, no, no, I pay. Uh, he's a good Cuban. And he's a good American. He pays his taxes. Yeah. He's very insistent. Yeah. And he has to be constantly good American. Yeah. Which is such a good, like, it's an interesting character perspective. Basically, any scene with the scripts is better than the rest of the movie. Yeah. But my problem with those scenes, even, okay, I think what's really interesting about those scenes is it's sort of breaking Lucille away from Lucy, right? Like, most of our impression of Lucille is what we know of I Love Lucy. At least that's my experience with her, right? Is that yours? No. No? You I don't have that much of a relationship with I Love Lucy. Me neither, but that's Honestly, all I know about Lucy Honestly, if I'm being Lucy completely honest, the first time I watched I Love Lucy... About a week ago, so I don't have that much. I knew more. I knew a little more about Lucille Ball, and I more just expected that behind the scenes she was like a pretty intense creative figure. So Why? This, because she ran a lot of successful shows. Like she didn't run it like her name, showrunner. Mm-hmm. She was the name of one of the most successful comedies ever. Okay. So I just believe. Anyway, so <laughs> for me. <laughs> What's interesting about this is um, showing, like, how Lucille was as a person and as a showrunner outside of Lucy and how her creative process worked. All of that's really interesting. But for me, it just it was so much less engaging because I didn't feel I never I never felt as though uh, Nicole Kidman was Lucille. I know you liked her a lot better when she wasn't doing Lucy, but I, I still just, I just didn't connect with her. I didn't find, and I, I'm not anti Nicole Kidman. I've liked her in lots of other stuff. The only thing though is that when I did see her outside of it, I still only saw Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily bad. Like there's been performances I've liked mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, I still only see like Meryl Streep. There. Yes. Or that's not actually that's not always true for her. Yeah. She doesn't want to damage Meryl Streep. Yeah. So like but like there's lots of characters where you can see them. But still here it would have been a bit nicer if she got into it more. Because I was so aware that this was Nicole Kidman playing a character, mm-hmm. it made it so that I have even within the story of the movie, I had no belief or like I had no suspension of disbelief that I was just so aware that this was a story. Hopefully. So I'm like, who knows if this is how she was actually? They're just giving me a version of what Lucille could have been. Kind of pro- I don't know about you, but the last time I really saw Nicole Kidman in anything big mm-hmm. was The Prom on yeah. Netflix. And in that movie, I was again, I was always aware it's Nicole Kidman. Yeah. But in that movie, I never had the issue. That's so once. negative for that movie. No, hold on. Hold on. I'm not agreeing with you. In that movie, I could see her Nicole Kidman the whole time. But because I think 
the directing was better supporting her and because she was more connected with the part. Mm-hmm. Even though I could only see, I could just see Nicole Kidman, it still helped. Mm-hmm. Here, it's hurting the movie because yeah. you still see her. Yeah. And the movie refuses to either lean in or go back from that. Yeah. And so you're just kind of stuck there. Yeah. Um, I also, before, I do want to get to Javier Bardem, but before we do that, I also want to complain about the music because it was really bad. I literally grimaced a few times at musical cues because I thought that they were so bad. And I'm not normally a music-like movie person. I do not notice the music in any way, shape, or form. I noticed it being bad. Well, blame Daniel Pemberton. I didn't like your soundtrack or your score. It's more of a score. It's a score. Yeah. Oh, I also wrote in my notes. This is what made me laugh when I was reading it. <laughs> this is, I think this is near the beginning. Because I hated the first 30 minutes of this movie. It was better after the first 30 minutes. But I hated the first 30 minutes. Um, I wrote, <laughs> this feels like a fake movie in my notes. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I meant by that, but it's true. <laughs> Boy, I think it's time we have to talk about Javier Bardem. He was the best part of the movie. Yeah, he was the only one that I didn't see. Yes, yet. yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Was like, he felt, and I've seen him in lots of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm not familiar. It's the same, same basis with Nicole Kidman. Like, I've seen him around. I know who he is as an actor. But yeah, he like disappeared into the role and he like he did such a good job exactly what I was talking about where I, where I didn't feel with Nicole Kidman where he got the vibe, you know? Like I totally understood who he was. Okay, Javier Bardem is the best yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and he's also Oscar nominated. Yeah. There's three Oscar noms for this he's movie. He's so much fair one. <laughs> The other two I don't get. And here's the thing, is he's really good at balancing the sleazy side of the character yeah. to the like genuinely good business partner aspect. And you I like know? that framing of it, because he is good at the business partner and being a, with Lucio. Yeah. Even if it does seem like he kind of hates it. Like, in terms of uh, the the roles... Mm. Like, she's the star, even though he does more of the work. Yeah. I think that he, um, I didn't know what I was going to say, never mind. (laughs) That's the thing, is that the best acting from him, or I think one of the better parts. (gasps) I remember what I was going to say. Oh, I'm going to finish what I was saying. Okay. uh, uh, when he's at the end and he's talking to the crowd about Lucille and the whole communist party, yeah, uh, he does a really good stage presenter energy. Mm-hmm. Like he's just giving very charismatic energy mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm-hmm. So he's really good with those scenes, mm-hmm. and he was so happy for her after for that second. Yeah, he loves her. Yeah. But, like, I could see it. I could yeah. see the happiness that that worked. The yeah. thing worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think he does 
such a good job because from what I got from the movie, I totally believed that he was head over heels in love with Lucille. And I also knew from the beginning of the movie that he definitely cheated on her. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I knew both things at the same time. And it didn't make me hate him, you know? It's tough skill to do. Yeah. Like, he did such a good job balancing, like, all Mm -hmm. of the different elements of the person in a way that felt, like, very human and very, like, movie star. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which, like... I, I guess he wasn't a movie star in real life because she said he couldn't have been because he was Cuban. Yeah. He was a big... Uh, but I totally understood when she, when she was like, he could have been a movie star. I'm like, yeah, I see it. You know? Mm-hmm. He definitely did the best job. And he was a nice singer. I don't know if he was actually singing. I don't know if I he actually... I think he can sing, though. I don't I know. I have no idea. But he... Uh, <laughs> he is in a musical for Disney, though. I also appreciated... I just thought of this right now but i appreciate that they're like close to the same age i was just thinking about other javier by that movies and like his normal romantic interest <laughs> yeah she's a little older than him yeah no it worked great their yeah. dynamics when they're together again the business the script scenes are great mm-hmm. uh and i do think it's interesting thinking about the casting with how much i like Javier Bardem, uh, because thinking about them as a couple, I know that um, who's that guy? Who's that girl from Blue and Grace? Deborah Nessel. People wanted her to be what's her face because she Luce. looked like her. Right? Well, here's the thing: Deborah Nessel's done some Lucille Balls in the past. Mm. Like Will and Grace had a few episodes where she would play Lucille Ball gotcha. and stuff, and she would have been. A great Lucy. I yes. don't know if she would have been a great Lucy. That's what I'm saying. Which is like, I don't really have any horse in that race. Like, I don't care who was playing Lucille, but I, I just know that she was talked about, and I agree. I totally agree. I can't see her and Javier like being like having that chemistry. You know what I mean? And of all the problems I have with Nicole Kidman's performance, I did believe their chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's really good. Uh, you know, he's just good in the movie. Like, there's yeah. not almost there's almost not much to say because he's just good. Yeah. Uh, he probably won't win Best Actor I'm this sh- year because less so because he isn't good, but more so because a the Nicole Kidman's probably going to win Best Actress, and the Oscars That's like to be pretty democratic, ridiculous. like pretty. Distributing movies. Why in the world would you win Best Actress for this? Well, the only one that was even close to competition was Lady Gaga, and they snubbed her. What do you mean? What about Kristen Stewart? Kristen Stewart has lost all steam for her awards campaign. Her win right now. Okay, but like the solution is not to give it to someone who did a bad performance. I'm not saying. I don't understand what the Oscars are doing. I think they like the performance. Well, maybe they should watch more movies. I watched the five that got nominated. Yeah. They should I have more movie experience, maybe. I know every year, which it's true, they struggle to fill five great acting for females because there's never enough Oscar films with great female leads. Mm-hmm. Which is true. Hollywood just struggles to have great in-depth female characters. Yeah. Uh... But I, I am surprised that the direction of the award season this year, that she's become the front runner. Yeah. 
because even after watching this, I'm like, this is good. Maybe good enough to like it, have her win be getting a nomination. I don't think she should have been nominated. I I can understand why she would get to be nominated. But the I don't fact think that this she's movie going should have gotten the Oscar buzz at all. I think it's objectively not a very good movie. Well, it only got three, and none of them are for directing or writing. Well, that's good. It's all for acting. It's three acting ones. Yeah, but two of those make zero sense. Speaking of which, we're going to transition to our third and final character we really have to talk about. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, who's also Oscar-nominated. And the first thing everyone said when they heard that was, why? Because J.K. Simmons, he's good in the movie, and he is playing J.K. Simmons. But you know what? J.K. Simmons. But you want to know what? Lots of actors have been able to get away just playing J.K. Like, just playing the same (laughs) Like J.K. Simmons. (laughs) (laughs) Like, lots of actors don't have much range, and they can get by getting much range, though. Lots of actors have been able to get Oscar nominations for playing like the same part over and over again. Most famously is probably the Quentin Tarantino guy who was in Glorious Bastards and the Django Chain. No. Oh, that guy, the German guy. I don't know if he's actually German. He is German. Oh, the German guy. The German guy. I do also find it weird. This isn't related to this movie at all, but it is related to the German guy, like Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Christoph Waltz kind of always plays the same part, but he was able to get Oscar nominated multiple times. And J.K. Simmons is kind of playing the same part he normally does, mm-hmm. and he was able to this year. So that's fine. The problem is, is just the parts kind of unremarkable. Unremarkable. So it's just surprising he would get there. Honestly, I would have picked. The actress, yeah, overdid even. I would have, yeah. I guess it was the bar scene. It's yeah. Oh, I, I don't agree with it. That's. Yeah. It also, I think they're just trying to throw a supporting actor. The Oscars act like movies don't exist. The Oscars act like Oscar movies. Oscars have a problem, which is a grander issue, which I know you hate, but they only look at Oscar films. Yeah. Which is the problem is that there's so many other films they don't look at them because they're not Oscar films. Well, and then like, they struggle to fill categories because they're, they're not Oscar struggling films. to fill. It's like, okay, like, you know, if you have a shit ton of Oscar films with amazing performances, go for it, I guess. But, you know, if you're struggling to fill it, then you broaden your horizons a little. That's the problem. I agree with you. Yeah. The problem is that they only look at Oscar films and they're like, well, there's not enough good supporting actors because we have to fill it with a okay but completely unremarkable yeah. performance. Yeah. Like, uh, the thing I'm wondering, and that's the thing when I heard about him being nominated, and I look for it in every movie I watch, mm-hmm. that I will be with this season. When I hear an acting nomination, I always think of the clip they play at the Oscars of the movie yeah. to, like, show their acting. Yeah. Because, like, if I remember Julianne Moore, you had her, like, spinning in the living room trying to figure out where her own bathroom is, because her mind, she has the Alzheimer's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, early onset Alzheimer's. And uh, stuff like that. So it's like I—that's the thing I looked for. And I could see the scene with Nicole Kidman at the like script readings or at the table. I could mm-hmm. see the scene, mm-hmm. and I could see lots of scenes for Harvey Bardem. Yeah, like where he's reading to the audience, for example. Yeah, uh, 
or the or the narrative. But I can't think, I can't think of the scene for him. Yeah, yeah. His, is, I mean, his literally his main scene is in the is the bar scene. But even then, that's not really his scene. You know what I mean? Well, like, I don't remember him having like a real slam dunk moment. Well, and the thing that makes me also this person though. Because next, I'm going to make you do West Side Story this month. Because okay. I love that movie. Uh, the thing is, there was an actor in that movie who was getting a lot of buzz. Uh-huh. And he did not get it for supporting actor. Mm. The J.K. Simmons did, which is more like... Did, did you, do you know J.K. Simmons won an Oscar for... Um, the Flash, yes. He did? He did. That was his... Okay. But it was... It I was, was just... less so uh, about Whiplash, although they did, like, that was good enough that, that he won. Movie. Hold on. Yeah. It was less so an award for that movie's performance, although it was good enough to get there. But it was much more of a, you've been, like, a, you've been a steady actor in Hollywood for a long time. It's your time. Because the Oscars, have, you win for two reasons. You're exceptional. Or you've been in Hollywood for a while and you need a win. I also think he was really good, from what I've heard, and like they liked it. But I'm just saying that was what pushed him over the edge. No, I get get what you're saying. It was his time conversation. My theory was if I couldn't remember if he won or not. My theory was maybe if he didn't win. They felt bad about it, and they were like, "Okay, we'll nominate you this time," because they do that sometimes too. They have, especially like if someone like doesn't get it when you're, and they kind of should have, they'll give it to them for something random. Ben <laughs> so Affleck winning Best Picture for Argo, yeah, he didn't get directing. Yeah, so I wondered if it was maybe something, but if he won, then no, it's not bad. <sighs> yeah, I it was a bad movie. I didn't like it. It had some good moments, but it it never reached the peaks that I felt it could have or should have. Yeah, uh, I I just I truly think I think there is a really good story here. I think he was the wrong filmmaker for this story. And I think this is a good example of the t- reason why Oscars are struggling right now mm-hmm. is their obsession and their insistence that you have to nominate stuff like this. Yeah, because people <laughs> watch it and they go. I I don't understand, and I don't think this is remarkable. And yeah. So the general public doesn't agree, and then they can't even get like the Oscar buzz people like me to be like understanding of their decisions, mm-hmm. and then they struggle. Then they're struggling to figure out this year. This year's Oscars are, I they're going to be a disaster publicity mm-hmm. and ratings wise. Yeah. And I don't why publicity wise? Okay, so I wanna contextualize this thing. So you have to hear the whole next part before you comment. Okay. And that is that the free host this year, this mm-hmm. is the first part. Free host this year. I'm going on a bit of an Oscar side change. Consider this like podcast two point five. Yeah. In USA. One point five. Why did they say two point five? Anyway, the three hosts are Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer. I should remember the third person's name. The three hosts for the Oscars this year are Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, 
and Wanda Sykes. And Regina Hall is fine. Wanda Sykes isn't partic- isn't as relevant as she was a while ago, but she's still funny. She's funny. But she's not. And Amy Schumer has never has never recently been able to keep anything without a bunch of super sexist people being like, she's not funny. You know? Mm-hmm. So that already just, like, poisoned the chances of it doing well a lot. It's just the second she was attached, it's going to get, like, a third of all the comics will be hate no matter what. Yeah. Like, her connection alone will do that. Which is unfair, but... I agree, though, that she gets a lot of hate. And they've announced this year that they are going to put about a third of the awards. They're just choosing not to air them. Mm-hmm. Which has really angered everyone in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, why are these people not as important as me? Yeah. Which has been an ongoing issue that the Oscars don't know what they want to be. They want to be an industry award event, but for everyone. But they don't want to celebrate everyone. They want yes. to celebrate industry. So they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, and then both sides are going away unhappy every year. And it's hurting the show more and more. Mm-hmm. So they just need to pick a lane. Yeah. And they they refuse. They are so... It's like this movie. Mm-hmm. They need a direction, Yeah. but they don't want to pick one, so they're trying to do everything. None of it's clicking yeah. with who it's meant to. Yeah. And then... Every year, everyone's upset, and they're like, why? And then they try and do something that should be, like, really well thought out, Mm -hmm. but it's not, and people get mad. Mm -hmm. Anyway, side tangent over. I guess that concludes this episode. Yeah. You liked it better than I did. I liked it. I didn't love it. Would you watch it again? Not for a little bit, but I might watch it again. I don't think I'd ever watch it again. Well, now we know. <laughs> yeah. No, you liked it a lot better than I did. I I didn't hate it because I hate whiplash and I don't have that passion for it, you know? Mm. But I didn't like it. <laughs> you do hate whiplash. I hate it so much. <laughs> There's a few true things about you and that is the most true thing there is. That you hate whiplash, you hate water damage. Yeah, those are both true. So that concludes this episode of Friends at Film Camp. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time at the campfire.